Hello, everyone. Welcome to Next Nest. This is our podcast for empty nesters and retired couples, and we focus our chats towards members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but you other friends are welcome to listen in, too. Today we're talking with Marnay Wilson. Marnay is a part of a missionary couple veteran. She's a missionary veteran for the church. She and her husband have served two missions, one in Portugal and one in South Africa. And uh, then they each served their own mission as youngsters. Marnay also is the author of a book called Senior Missions, What to Expect and How to Prepare. And it is published by Cedar Fort Publications and uh, is used in some stakes around the nation, even in terms of preparing people to go on senior missions. So have a couple of of uh, possibilities for discussion in this book. And from Marnay, we're actually considering this to be maybe the first of a two- or three-part series that we'll get to here. Uh, we have uh, some questions from Marnay. Welcome. Thank you. All righty. Uh, give us a little bit, if you will, of a background on yourself. So mostly I'm the same as all the other senior missionary wives. I graduated from BYU. I had seven kids lickety split and the difference uh, oh and I have almost 25 grandchildren now Mm. but uh, when my children were junior high age I started my own junior high and ran that for 10 years then went back and got a master's degree in instructional design wonderful well tell us about the missions that you've served with your husband Bruce and uh, maybe that you each served individually as well Well, Bruce and I both served in Brazil at different times, and he served when there were two missions, and I served when there were three in the whole country. And now there are well over 30. I don't even know how many missions. But so when we got to be senior missionaries, we thought, well, we should use our Portuguese since we both speak, Uh, not realizing that the Portuguese in Portugal, we didn't request Portugal. But when we got our call, we were so excited not realizing that the Portuguese was so radically different. (laughs) It was uh, challenging. But we were called to be office missionaries. There are many, many senior couples are called to be member support missionaries. Uh, But there are so many different kinds of missions. Uh, Ours in Portugal were started out as office missionaries. And then right in the middle, they combined the two missions in Portugal. And so we were sent clear to the south and became member support missionaries. And we started a youth center for college students uh, while we were there. And then in Africa, we were called to the area office where Bruce worked in the legal department and I worked on uh, creating and uh, uh, kind of filling the web page for the area. Okay, before we get into some of the specifics of those missions, tell us a little bit about your book. How did that come about? Uh, uh, well, where, is it? where can people get it? This is a fun project that I never would have guessed I would do. Uh, but when I got to Portugal... And then again in Africa, I noticed that the sisters were struggling. Uh, They didn't have any idea what a mission was going to be about. And so the shock of the realities of missionary work and being with their husbands uh, 
24 hours a day and it was they were crying uh and so i thought i'm going to start writing down the things that sisters because i want to do a i'm your sister let's talk about what to expect uh so i started writing down the areas that they needed support and needed to know what to expect and that was the foundation of the book okay well as you mentioned a lot of young men who are now our age ish uh, have served they served missions in, as 19 20 21 and in our generation not so many sisters served but at least the elders know about the expectations about the things that happen in a mission what kind of expectations are there what's expected of a senior missionary couple versus the younger ones well for one thing, senior missionaries don't have to work as long as junior missionaries. And that is such a comfort to know mm-hmm. that there you don't have to work day and night. You can take naps in the middle of the day. You can email your kids and Skype them every single night if you want ah, to. Okay. <laughs> there are very few rules. Mm-hmm. And another great thing is you don't have to stay with your companion all the time. <laughs> you <laughs> can go shopping without. And in fact, right. I have to tell you the funny story. The first first week we were in Portugal, Bruce and I went shopping to to get all the stuff we needed. And we hadn't really been shopping together. So we would go along and he would critique everything I put in the cart. <laughs> so finally I said, uh, you go shop in that aisle. I'll shop in this aisle. We worked it out eventually, but he learned that I didn't want him to critique what I was buying. What, why, what makes that different from your day-to-day lives before your mission? He Obviously, the way you're saying it, he didn't do that when you were home. What made him all of a sudden change into this micromanaging shopper, as it were? Well, he shops in a different way than I do. And so we, long time ago, decided that he likes to compare every single screwdriver in the store. And I just want to grab one that's a good price and buy it. Uh, so it's just a different... And this is what senior missionaries find in lots of areas. Cooking and household management and schedule planning and scripture study. They've basically done their own pathway uh, for a lot of years. And one of the things I say in the book, in fact, is it would help senior couples immensely if they forced themselves to do a project together and figure out all these bumps, even if it's just planting a garden, or so, so that they have to work together. So you're talking about before you go on before a mission, you, go you on find a mission. some project and yeah. see how it goes. Because the, the, uh, the shock of having to negotiate and agree on your schedule, uh, and even little things like, how are we going to exercise? Uh, are we going to walk? Are we going to run? Are we going to do it in the house? You know, all of these things you have to negotiate that you didn't have to negotiate before. So that couple tension is probably one of the hardest things. Now, after the first three months, well, some couples have said, in order to save our marriage, we have to go home. Others, <laughs> most all, say by three months they figured it all out and they, uh, they are working in tandem. Uh, one of the, the problems is that husbands, without even thinking about it, they 
know how mission they think they know how missions work mm -hmm. senior missions work a lot different than their junior but they left as senior companions or zone leaders and they were used to being the boss mm -hmm. plus they have been the boss at work for a lot of years by the time they reach this age wives on the other hand are used to being the boss too they've been the boss at home um so the husbands and they often have had they have the language because they've chosen missions that they spoke that language if they're going foreign and the wives don't have that language so that gives them one more power move so that they can say i'm the boss that kills the wives so they fight back and then you have contention um and they figure it out but this who's the boss and they finally figure out that neither one of them can be the boss and be happily on a mission together so what is it then that if you're a mission president out there and you're looking at all of the needs within your mission that you'd like to have filled what is it that senior missionary couples provide to a mission that no regular, if you will, missionaries, younger missionaries can provide? Well, it depends on the kind of mission, but I'm going to start with office missionaries because you don't realize. Do you remember when they changed the age for missionaries? Yes. And they had this massive number of missionaries come and want to go on missions. And I said, oh, my gosh, because I'd been a, an office missionary. Mm -hmm. The mission presidents need senior couples desperately because senior couples send the papers out. Uh, for when missionaries are newly called, giving them all the instructions. They, they send the papers out when the missionaries are going home. They collect referrals. They get the apartments for the missionaries. Uh, they do all of this foundational work that the mission president doesn't have time to do. So he's desperate for mission couples. And when we were a, a couple in the office, we did it all. We did the apartments, we did the cars, we did the, you know, we did it. But uh, um, big missions have senior couples. If they can get them, they have one senior couple that does transportation and another mm. senior couple that does apartments. And uh, because you, it's one of the funnest things, honestly. You go to these missionaries' apartments and you're supposed to check them out every month to see if they're filthy and, you know. But Oh, it's so fun to interact with those elders and and teach them how to clean a bathtub. <laughs> and so senior couples can be parents away from home. And you can invite the missionaries over and you can make cookies and do all those fun things. But that's just the op office couples. Mission presidents are desperate to have couples involved with branch presidents who have never... They don't know how the church is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. And in foreign countries, they're often in their 20s. And they're branch presidents, and they've got the handbook. And I had one sit down with me. He barely spoke English. Um, and he wanted me to explain every single section of the handbook because it was all brand new to him. Uh, but that's So senior couples can basically save a mission president's life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, make the president's uh, life much easier to worry about the, the 
the day-to-day kind of younger missionary problems yeah. and challenges, <laughs> exactly. I think, that come up. So a senior missionary couple goes out there, and and they have a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom, if you will, usually, we hope, uh, testimonies of the gospel founded in a whole lifetime of service. And sometimes the both the regular young missionaries and the new leaders of the church are all kind of still in the process of building their testimonies and gaining experience in the church, etc. How does a senior missionary couple work with these, the missionaries and the leaders, in a way that is not overbearing or yeah. where they guide and lead and encourage as opposed to dictate and, you know, those kinds of things? Um, so see, one thing to know is that senior missionaries are actually not allowed to proselyte. Mm-hmm. They can't even go out with the junior missionaries. Wow, really? What they can do is, again, support. So if a junior missionary is teaching a couple, uh, they can invite the senior missionaries to come and answer hard questions. Or senior missionaries often teach the new newly baptized lessons. So then they are giving more information than the junior. But in terms of crossing over with the junior missionaries and being dominant, they don't, that's not part of the way the system's set up. It's okay. kind of two different paths. Now, the members, on the other hand, the biggest thing that senior missionaries need to do is love the members <laughs> and be there for them and support them. And I found, interestingly enough, that making comments in Relief Society was one of the most beneficial things I could do because I was actually teaching the members in a very backdoor way about how the gospel worked by the comments I made during the lesson in Relief Society. Um, But it's a lot of it is, oh, I had such a fun time, I have to tell you, teaching piano lessons because the branches and... uh, I can't believe I was teaching piano lessons. <laughs> Where would this have been? South Africa it or Portugal? It was Portugal. Portugal. And I hadn't played the piano for 40 years, <laughs> and I was really bad at it. And besides that, they don't do ABC keys. They do do-re-mi keys. Uh-huh. So I would have to sing the little song to, to <laughs> figure out what what to tell them to, to play. <laughs> but it was so gratifying. <laughs> Uh, and they actually had only one piano, so they had my two little students sitting on the piano bench playing the same piano, one way up high and one way down low. But those kinds of things, so it's really not at all about you telling everybody how to be, but more you giving them of your talents to strengthen them and their branch so that they can do it themselves. I personally think that probably the men are tempted to be more domineering than the women. Yeah, I could, I could, something tells me that you're probably right on that one. I could but, see that. But when Bruce was working with the branch president, they put him in the branch presidency, and when he was working with a branch president who was very domineering and micromanaging the whole mm. ward, and it was a disaster, mm. he spent time with him not saying much, but spent time 
watching and encouraging. So it's that whole game. It's sort of like you do with kids where you encourage them and you don't criticize too much, mm -hmm. but you anything they do well, you uh, encourage, and you kind of um, team with them. That's what Bruce did a lot. He okay. teamed and went out with them home teaching and, and was in all of their meetings and Good. So we've, you've already mentioned a lot of these kinds of things, but um, those couples out there wondering about missions and what are they about, et cetera, give us a little bit of a kind of, and I know every mission is incredibly different, but generally speaking, kind of the day-to-day, -day, what happens? What do, you, what do they expect in a typical day in a mission? Now, some of it depends couples? on the kind of mission you're on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but generally speaking, mornings are designated for missionaries mm -hmm. not for your mission work but for you personally to study the scriptures together and individually to exercise they designate mm -hmm. time for you to go out walking or running or whatever you decide to do um, so your mornings partly because nobody wants you to bug them before about 10 <laughs> o'clock. <laughs> so True. you have, right. but there are no rules for senior mm -hmm. missionaries like getting up at 6 o'clock. Mm -hmm. There are no rules like that. So you, I could get up at 10.30 and be just fine. You Is could, that, but you'd no. feel guilty. <laughs> 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 okay. Because, in fact, you know pretty soon in the mission that nobody's watching yeah. except Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. And so you can take advantage of this short little mission that you have or you can waste it mm -hmm. uh so you chose to come and most missionary senior missionaries are really excited about doing this service work so then it's a matter of figuring out what works for them you know, that's so consistent with the way the church is going recently when you have that's the ministering true. as opposed that's to home true. teaching. And, and you have the two-hour block now where we're expected to spend an hour of our time or more. It's kind of up to us to build our own testimonies and to develop ourselves. Sounds like that's what senior yeah. missionaries have been doing but for a long know, time. You know, with this new program, I can see, of course we didn't, I can see senior missionaries having that third hour Sunday school mm. with various groups even. Uh, and it could be this fabulous experience for the senior missionaries and for the new members, young single adults, uh, lots of... Uh, the thing that's very coolest about senior missions is that you get to make it your own offering to God, mm. using your talents the very best you can, and then stretching just a little bit like my teaching piano mm -hmm. lessons, mm -hmm. uh, and then finding it's like I have compared it to Ammon, that you have your little sword of talent set, and you are willing to wield it in God's behalf and then he magnifies you, and he makes it so you can do these fabulous things that you never expected you could mm. do, just because you're willing to pick up your sword and try. Wonderful. Uh, so you kind of along those lines, when you first got to your mission, obviously you have all these expectations and a, a couple of things, first of all. How often did you feel like you were able to bear your testimony? And a lot of times bearing your testimony has nothing to do with words. 
How did how often were you able to do that and really feel the internalization of the spirit and those kinds of things working? And then I guess the second question that you'll you'll answer is what surprised you the most as you were out there on your mission? Okay, particularly when you first uh, got there. So let's talk with, about testimonies first. Mm-hmm. Like I said, speaking, making comments in classes is, and I believe this is true for all members of the church, it is bear, they are bearing their testimony when they make a comment in mm. class. And when we were teaching the young single adults, uh, this happened in Africa, uh, we ended up being the teachers of the class. And so that gave us a chance to bear our testimonies. But talking to the young single adults individually was actually more beneficial as we talked to them about their individual problems. Um, I felt like I was bearing my testimony all the time to the junior missionaries Mm -hmm. as I interacted with them and showed them, because we would go to their zone meetings because we were technically part of their zone. And so as they struggled, we could could teach them how the gospel really worked. It was just the most edifying thing to feel Mm -hmm. like we were building those junior missionaries and building the members and strengthening our own testimonies. So that's the testimony question. <laughs> yeah, we did. I did the horrible thing of asking you two <laughs> questions at the same time. I apologize. But I, you're, when you got out there, what, ex, what ex surprised you? Traffic. Oh, really? <laughs> Driving in a foreign huh. country oh, okay. when the roads are so narrow. I, and, and I watched every wife because the husbands would drive mm. most often because they were used to it. The wives were sitting on the other side screaming, (laughs) (laughs) literally screaming, because it felt like you were playing a Mario game with people jumping out and cars coming and both sides of the road lined with cars so you couldn't see anybody. It was a terror. And the roads are only wide enough for one car. Mm. In fact, in Portugal, they cut the sides of the building off on the corners because you couldn't turn <laughs> left if they really? didn't cut the... Wow. Anyway, driving was traumatic in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But also, that surprising thing was that... Uh, I'll tell you, one of the really hard things is living in an apartment. You're not... You're used to having your own house with your mm-hmm. own driveway... And all of a sudden, you have to carry water up the elevator and brush your teeth using bottled water sometimes. And it's culture shock uh, of living in an apartment in a foreign country where people smell different, they um, they stand close to you, mm-hmm. they talk louder, just stuff that, mm, world. We don't want to have to adjust. Mm -hmm. And it's really good for us to experience a different culture. Uh, Honestly, I I read an article that said when people get over, I can't remember what age they said, they lose their creativity. Mm. And I wanted to say, you need to go on a senior mission because, my gosh, you are stretching and learning and growing and creating, and it's this fabulous um, experience of being something more than you ever expected. 
Yeah, you look at President Nelson in his nineties <laughs> and ask yourself, "Oh, did he lose creativity?" No, I don't no think so. <laughs> you know, um, so you, you and Bruce both had already been outside of the United States, and yet you talk about culture shock. Did you come across any missionary couples who were out in those kind, of, any country outside of the United States, who had never left the United States? What's their experience compared yeah. to, say, yours? No. First of all, most couples will not go out of the United States. Mm. When they uh, sign up for missions, they say they want to be in the United States. And that is a whole different experience. However, they still have, they go to the South, they've still got culture Mm -hmm, shock. mm -hmm. They live in an apartment, that's Mm -hmm. culture shock. So they still grow and learn. But the biggest problem was the wives who didn't have the language. Women are mm, their relationship people. And so with no language, they couldn't understand what anybody was saying. They couldn't express their love for anybody or Mm -hmm. bear their testimony or Mm -hmm. anything. They felt isolated. And I I saw one senior sister write in her journal, I hate this, Mm -hmm. uh, in big capital letters and my heart just broke for her. But what she learned is that you can communicate without language. Mm-hmm. And that's what the sisters and the brothers actually had to learn because they came out thinking they could speak the language and they found out that 40 years later their language wasn't really very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a very humbling thing to learn to love and communicate mm-hmm. from your heart, uh, but it's challenging. Yeah, and, and I would imagine, I mean, I've been around in a lot of different countries and, and even in the United States, even their memory issues, you know, I, I lost words, I can't remember <laughs> this, but languages themselves change. That's right. And so they might say, well, this is the way you say it or whatever, and that's not the way they say it anymore, you know. In fact, it can be the difference between Brazilian Portuguese and Portuguese Portuguese mm. can get you in a lot of trouble oh, yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, but true. mostly you learn to appreciate their culture. Uh, there was this interesting thing. I even wrote a whole passage about it because the Africans felt like the Americans were trying to turn them into um organized, structured, you know, kind of uh, uh, culture. And they kept saying, now these are members of the church, they kept saying, but we are a nurturing, loving culture. We don't want to be organized and have lists and deadlines. And and, and the conflict was really difficult mm-hmm. because there's a balance. You have to have meetings start relatively close to on time Mm -hmm. and you have to have reports turned in relatively but uh, it was frustrating for Mm -hmm. both sides to try to deal with this cultural difference that was so dominant yeah and I I actually teach culture in some of my classes at BYU I teach a lot about culture and have been out there in the world Mm -hmm. you know in my business uh, doing a lot of cultural interaction um, it seems to me, and one thing I say is that very often when we go out and we interact with another culture, 
one of the most difficult things for us to do is to cast off our, recognize, first of all, and cast off our own cultural, you know, uh, rigidity, if you will, to be open to another culture and not say, well, you're not like my culture, you're not so good. Yeah. Right? So you would think that because Brazil and Portugal both speak Portuguese, Mm -hmm. that they would have more in common. It was terrible. The Brazilians thought the Portuguese wore stick-in-the-muds because they, and the Portuguese thought the Brazilians were just insane because (laughs) they would party and sing and dance, and and the Portuguese are very reserved and structured. Mm -hmm. It was, Mm -hmm. it's so funny, and and it's so good for us to get outside of our Mm -hmm. narrow tunnel vision. Right, yeah. So, You've talked a lot about different aspects of a mission and different feelings you had and all of these kinds of things. When, at the end of the day, when you look back on these two missions, what do you feel you have gained the most from serving your mission with Bruce, and you and individually and you and Bruce together? I suppose the thing that surprised me the most and that was how much... God can take, like I said, us as fallible, weak um, members of the church, old people who have limitations in our health. And mind you, every senior couple has health problems. Mm. So don't worry about that because every senior couple does. And one of the worst is teeth, believe it or not. Mm. Uh, So Mm. don't worry that you're weak. Because Heavenly Father takes us in our weak, old people state and changes us Mm. into tools that build his kingdom. So we came home from our missions having used talents that we hadn't used for years and years and used them in ways that were dynamically changing the church that we would never have guessed that we could do, both in Portugal and in Africa. And if we did it again, we would be using other talents and stretching. But the, I guess the most impressive thing for me is that God uses the weak things of the earth to make such a difference. So now, in our old age, we have this wonderful knowledge that God knows us and loves us and used us. Okay, maybe you've just answered this question, but uh, you have friends, I'm sure, who talk to you all the time who are thinking about going on a mission, but they're not totally sure. What do you tell them? I say, talk to God about this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because not everybody is ready to go on a mission every minute. There There are all of us who are old, have parents who are a lot older. Some of them have already passed away. Some of them are in their 80s and 90s, and we have to decide how that works. Some of us have children who have needs or or have handicaps. So sometimes couples need to serve in their own state, out of their own home. And the church is really pushing that Mm -hmm. now. Some of them need to serve shorter missions 
some of them need to serve in other countries. So it's so much dependent on between you and Heavenly Father. But I would encourage every couple, now the church doesn't, but I would encourage every couple to at least think about mm. how they can best serve a senior mission. Mm -hmm. uh, because chances are that they can. Right. And that it will bless them. And uh, the um, pres Elder Bednar said at a conference in Africa, your service on a mission will bless your family for two generations. Mm. How much would you give to bless your family for two generations? Yeah, you're gone for 18 months or two years, but you show them what it means to sacrifice for God. And, and it's an act of love for your children. Mm. Thank you so much, Marne. I appreciate this last half hour we've spent together. And uh, as we talked about at the beginning, there are so many more things that we could talk about. I think we'll, this is our first podcast for Next Nest. I think we're going to do this again. Okay. How did it go? Good. Did it, <laughs> yeah, it go okay? Yeah, sounds great. And uh, we'll bring I you cry back. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what it's all about. Um, we just want to share and encourage and find any way we can to help. Um, particularly members of the church and other friends who are at our age range to to make the most out of our lives and the lives of others. And so we'll bring you back and we'll bring ourselves back and we'll do this again. So again, thank you from Next Nest and see you later. Thanks.